Wine Work and Passion is brought to you by the Napa Valley Wine Academy, America's premier wine school and two-time winner of the WSET Global Wine Educator of the Year Award. You can find a course that's right for you at NapaValleyWineAcademy.com and use the code in our show notes for a special discount. Welcome, wine enthusiasts and job seekers. I'm your host, Karen Wetzel, and Wine, Work, and Passion is the podcast where we inspire you to make a career out of your passion for wine. As you know, I'm always looking for guests that can make a definitive impact on your wine journey, and that's what this episode is all about. Join us and meet Master Sommelier Thomas Price and Master of Wine Ashley Hausman, both with the Somme Foundation and learn about their enrichment programs and scholarship opportunities that'll help break down barriers and open doors that will help lead you to your goals. Stay tuned until the end, and we'll tell you about how you can apply for the upcoming Wine Education Scholarship being offered in partnership between the Sam Foundation and us right here at the Napa Valley Wine Academy. So let's meet our guests. Hi, Thomas. Welcome to the show. Welcome, Ashley. Hi. Thank you. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thanks for being on Wine, Work, and Passion. Um, so I want to get started by asking you, we'll start, I guess, with you, Ashley. Who are you and what do you do in the wine industry? Sure. <laughs> I'm Ashley Hausman. I live in Minnesota. I actually recently relocated back to Minnesota to be closer to family and I still am hanging on to a great job in Colorado. I work remotely as director of operations for Old World Wine Imports. And um, for Sound Foundation, I'm the director of scholarships. That's great. And you're also a master of wine. And I'm a master of wine. <laughs> Let's not leave that technicality out. <laughs> so, Thomas, who are you and what do you do in the wine industry? So I am uh, the... Um wine director for the brand new Tony and Libba Rain Culinary Science Center here in Auburn, Alabama. And uh, it's kind of a joint project between uh, Auburn University and Ithaca Hospitality Group. Additionally, um, I am a member of the associate faculty here at Auburn, and I teach beverage appreciation uh, for the hospitality students. And you are the chairman of the SOM Foundation. I am the chairman of SOM Foundation. That, that's probably sort of relevant. And then I am a master sommelier. I was just going to get to that. Okay, don't be shy, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I want to tell the audience a little bit about why we connected for this podcast. So here at the Napa Valley Wine Academy, we partner with several different ent entities that are related to the wine industry to offer different scholarships. And the SOM Foundation is one where we've been partnering for a couple of years now. We do an annual, annual, Ashley, or is it twice a year? Um, I believe we're doing twice a year right now. We just started this partnership. So oh, okay. this, yeah. one this year that we're doing uh, in a couple of weeks. Great. Well, that's wonderful. And so I, you know, partly because of that, because of the potential scholarship opportunity, but also in researching SOM Foundation on my own, there's so many valuable, you know, think tools and, and things that you offer. So I thought bringing that to our audience who are, you know, most of them are either in the industry looking to get ahead or they're looking to get in the industry. So I thought this would be super helpful. 
Um, and we do have a scholarship program coming up with you guys, which we'll give a few more details later. So if the scholarship end of this interests you, those of you listening, uh, stay tuned for a bit and we'll get into the details about that. So um, let's get started getting to know you guys and your journey a little bit better. Thomas, we'll start with you. So tell us about, you know, your background, where you're from and how you, you know, you're doing a lot of things. How did you get to all those places? Yeah, that's a, a great question. So I uh, I was born in Southern California, but grew up in uh, Alaska because somebody has to be from there. And uh, so I grew, I grew up in Juneau and Anchorage um, and was in, uh, restaurants my my entire life I kind of had a, a bit of a tough childhood I'm a, I'm an orphan um, so I, I gravitated towards towards restaurant work not only because of uh, of its relative availability but also just it was the, the camaraderie and the the family atmosphere was very appealing to me um, so I started as a dishwasher went through the kitchen I I would never call myself a chef, not formally trained, but I learned to cook rather efficiently and rapidly. Um, and then just became interested in wine, working through restaurants in uh, in Anchorage, Alaska. Most people don't realize that the the wine culture in Alaska is actually pretty evolved uh, because it's light all summer and dark all winter, and there's not much else to do. Um, so I, I just kind of went on that path, moved to Seattle um, in the late 80s, started in restaurants and really started focusing on the front of the house and, and bartending and then segued into wine, um, owned and operated my own restaurant, um, for about 10 years. And the impetus to, to sort of start studying and pursue the master sommelier certification was when I sold the restaurant, I wasn't sure what to do next. And, and, I wanted to teach. I knew that. And I wanted to expand my, my wine knowledge and my wine reach. And it was either open up a corner wine shop or kind of pursue this new thing I'd heard about called the Master Sommelier Diploma, which certainly would be a pathway towards towards becoming a teacher of this uh, subject that I'm that I love so much. So I kind of researched it and I was like, oh, yeah, I'll knock that out in four or five years, um, which <laughs> didn't, didn't quite kind of I kind of didn't understand the uh, level of, of depth and commitment. But anyway, about 10 years later, I, uh, I was able to earn my master sommelier diploma. And uh, I, in Seattle, I was working for the whole time uh, while I did that at, at a restaurant called the Metropolitan Grill, really big wine program. They just got a grand award uh, about three or four years ago. And then after I passed my MS, uh, I worked for Jackson Family Wine. So Kendall Jackson and all the other wineries and brands in that great portfolio as National Director of Wine Education. I did that for the last eight years. And then I've just started, uh, I've been down here in Auburn, Alabama for uh, about the last uh, two months, just diving into a very deep pool, running the wine program and building the cellar has been pretty second nature being a, a a faculty member of record at this university has been a really really cool uh, part of the journey, and I'm I'm just really excited about it. Wow, you know I <laughs> I'm really glad you brought up you know you said Alaska because I don't think people think of Alaska as being a wine mecca, um, and 
And it, you know, as you said, it's really evolved and it's a great example to our audience because, you know, people, a lot of people think, oh, you have to live in Napa or in Washington or, you know, in Oregon to really be in the active in the wine industry. Well, it's really not true. You can, you can work in wine in every single state in America, really anywhere in the world. Well, almost anywhere in the world anyway. So I think, I think that's really, really cool. And I loved what you said about your, you know, thinking it was a short commitment. I don't, I don't think people realize the credentials that the two of you have are enormous and, and prestigious and, there's so few of you, it's very hard to get. And it takes a long, long time and a tremendous commitment of uh, time and money (laughs) to get there, really. So it's not for the faint of heart, for sure. Okay, so Ashley, let's move to you now. Tell us about you. Not to segue too much, but before I forget, you mentioned uh, that you appreciated that he mentioned geography. And that's something that I know at Some Foundation we're very sensitive to. And A lot of us have had moments in our life where we've experienced that. Um, When I was in Colorado, I was a student of in the MW program to begin a little bit on my own. And I had to really kind of find another group outside of there and in California and work remotely. But we have such a global world now and so much access to um, ways of of communicating with others um, digitally and otherwise and getting samples that we need for tasting. And uh, we try to be very sensitive to that as well, though, when we're going through even our, you know, vetting and selection process, we really want to try to reach all, all students from all different walks of life and in different areas and keep that in mind too. Yeah. So again, not to, I, I mean, I started, I started my wine journey from Cleveland, Ohio. So there you go. Absolutely. <laughs> we're from Cleveland. You can do it from anywhere. And on that note, I came from Wisconsin. And so that was beer country there. I don't know what got in my head that I loved wine, but uh, from a pretty early, probably too early of a point on, I had an appreciation for trying to learn more about wine. And um, I didn't come from a family who really was into wine whatsoever. And so I've always been a little bit of a a mystery to them as to how I developed that passion. But, you know, to me, from a very early age on, I was always interested in travel. And to me, it kind of seemed like a way to uh, maybe someday afford to see the world (laughs) if I could just line myself up with an industry that would help, you know, pay for that. So I, um, I actually was an English major and I did my master's in English at the at New York University and it was while I was there that I started working at a wine shop and trying to see what that curiosity was about and I managed to fall into a lovely store with a great group of people on the Upper East Side that really kind of took me under their wing uh, right away and taught me so much so quickly because that's what New York is like. Right. <laughs> even though I was there for only four or five months, I took that, went back to Colorado, started managing a wine shop and just a lot of doors opened. This has been a great industry for me to Uh, get to know people, to get to know the world, to understand subjects in school that I was never very good at, like chemistry or biology, math. And um, somehow, you know, by going through a lens that I could appreciate and intrinsically love, like wine, I suddenly was understanding things that I thought I just wasn't good at. And it turned out I just hadn't really kind of seen it through a lens that um, helped. And so, 
I've, I've just, I've really loved the journey and the MW to me presented I didn't actually opposite of Thomas. I never thought I'd get it. I just kind of thought, oh, this is, this seems like a great way. I'm an academic. I love researching. I love reading. I love studying. It's to me a very comforting, comforting space to be in. And I knew that the MW really kind of tackled everything from um, soils and viticulture all the way through to the business of wine. And I thought that's a great way through WSET and then the MW to kind of understand it more uh, in my mind holistically what I thought that maybe the program presented, which of course, since then I've learned a lot about the MS program as well. And it offers a lot of those same uh, benefits too. But, you know, since then I've done everything from retail to distribution. I've been a rep. I've done a lot of education. Uh, I've made wine. I actually worked at Dujac and Screaming Eagle for harvests. I've made my oh, own wine. Oh, oh, those properties. <laughs> yeah, it's, no, I mean, it's been good to me. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's like, right. you know, it's been unbelievable. It's been an unbelievable journey that I am so happy about. And I've been really excited. And, and now I, I work with my old team back in Colorado and I love every single one of them on my team and I do the operations and education for them. So it's, it's an industry that offers endless possibilities and contexts. If anybody wants to, you know, experience, experience it in, in many different ways. Boy. And I, I, can I, can I just jump in really quick to just yes, really land that point, Ashley? I mean, if you look at where her and I are now, I barely got out of high school. She's got a master's from NYU. We're both in the wine business. I'm teaching at a university She's crushing education. I mean, it's just, I think for the audience, the, the, the pathways are so awesome and disparate and, and unique that this industry leads you into. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I think that's such a great point. And, you know, a, a couple of things, you know, you talk about the, the diversity of topics, chemistry, biology, geography, um, geology. There's so many things like you, Ashley. I hated those subjects in high school. <laughs> But I, I'm obsessed with them now because, again, because I'm learning about I'm learning it through something I love. Mm-hmm. And so for those who like to learn, you know, it's, it's religion, it's war, it's currency. I mean, it, it, wine is an endless topic. No one will ever know everything there is to know. But but that's, you know, you, you touched on something that that's kind of the point of why I this podcast was so important to me and why at the Academy we decided to do this podcast because we do a good job of getting people certified, but we weren't really helping them figure out what to do with it. And, you know, you can, anybody can go to school and get a certification, but you have to know where to go. And there's so many different opportunities to work in the wine industry. And for those of my listeners that are, you know, listen on a regular basis, you know, I, I try to bring a, a diversity of, you know, things that you, maybe sometimes you don't even need to know anything about wine to work in the wine industry and it's also an industry where once you're in, you never want to leave it. Like mm-hmm. it is not something you go, oh, I think I'll go sell cars. No, <laughs> they, it's not that it's all free or super glamorous, but it does open doors to possibilities. And, and when you are working, you know, full time in the industry, whether it's for a distributor or, you know, retail or whatever, there are lots of travel opportunities doors open, even if you just get yourself to, to wine country and you work in the wine industry, those doors open wide. I mean, we have a thing here called industry, industry courtesy, where if you're in the wine industry, most wineries are going to 
welcome you with open arms and not charge over your tasting, if nothing else. So it does open a lot of doors. I think that's um, really a great point, especially the travel piece of it. It's just to be able to see the world through something you love to do. Um, Anyway, but that's kind of the point of this podcast is to inspire people. Okay. So we touched on it very, Ashley, you mentioned it very, very briefly. I want to real quick clear up the mystery behind what a master sommelier is versus a master of wine. Can you, Thomas, I guess I'll throw that to you first and then Ashley jump on in as you care to do that. So I think one of the fundamental differences is masters of wine are generally pretty smart people. (laughs) (laughs) Master sommeliers are, are, are smart but they they are more smart in the OCD ADD realm. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I've never heard I, that. I, I, I'm, I'm partially joking. I think I think my, the fundamental difference to me is a master sommelier. The master sommelier exam is based on a very oral sort of presentation exercise, right? It's based on a lot of of exams that originated in the United Kingdom where they're all oral, right? You got to tell me about six wines, get them right all verbally. In the theory portion of the exam, it's all oral. There's no writing. It's questions asked about, I mean, there's plenty of writing on the way through the the, the different steps. When you get to the master exam, master summary exam, it's all oral, right? You get asked questions verbally. When you do your service or your practical exam, those are, again, another interpersonal situation where you're in kind of a, a, a role play where you're asking questions and answering questions. And, and again, it's, it's orally based where, and I, I'd love to hear Ashley's take on this, where the MW from my not vast understanding of it is much more of a writing and, and research based. There's plenty of research in both. But I mean, Ash, do you think that's sort of accurate? Yeah, I think so too. I think definitely. It's it's really difficult to, and I think that the the line is getting a lot more blurred lately as to what each of, you know, what an MS does and what an MW does, because, you know, it isn't just Psalms work in restaurants for the rest of their lives and that's that. I mean, they're obviously in all different parts of our industry now. So to say, oh, that the MW is more of the business of wine and the Psalms are more of the rest, it's not like that anymore. And, and certainly after the last couple of years, we've seen some major pivoting in our industry um, from Psalms and, and everyone to, to try and figure out some other avenues as well. But I do think as far as the exam goes, it is a very different format. I never wanted to, I did do my certified SOM and I never wanted to go any further because that was the most terrifying experience standing in front of, you know, masters and having to talk about wine and, and serve them. I I was so scared though. I was shaking the whole time and it was not the kind of rush that I get off on at all. (laughs) It was like, it was so scary. And I was like, I would like to just study and write and, and quiet. <laughs> and so, um, so in some ways it does draw certain personalities to either or um, in, in which area you kind of feel confident and comfortable. And mine was more in, in the quiet solitude of books. But, um, you know, one thing that I learned about the MW that really was a departure from the WSET was you, it really forced me out of my shell of, 
of textbooks and into a ton of conversations with people in the industry because you need to have a lot of really unique and interesting examples to complicate arguments um, that are about general questions of the industry and and demonstrate that you you understand that there's a lot of exceptions to the rules. There's no one answer. And I feel like really laying that out in an essay format and showing all the different exceptions for big wineries versus small wineries for people in um, Italy versus Australia, depending on different, just different factors for their supply chain or whatever. Like, I mean, there's just so many different answers to different questions. And that was, I was nervous at first to ask a lot of those questions. I think I thought they sounded dumb. Like, oh God, I mean, why would I ask this person why they use cultivated yeasts versus um, going native? And this is just going to, I know, I, I feel like I, they're going to look at me like, why are you asking me? How are you in this program? And what I'd find is I'd always get a different answer from everybody. And that was actually, it was in the nuance of those decisions that you realized how complex all of it really was. And you really never know the answer, even if it seems like a simple question. Right. And, you know, Ashley, I'm glad you brought up the point that the simple answer between the MW and the MS program is the, you know, quartermaster sommelier, they focus on restaurants. That's a good one if you're going into restaurants and MW is better for business. And and that is way too simple of an answer. No, it's not true. (laughs) You do a lot. You do learn a lot about serving wine in the MS program and, and the MW program doesn't really focus so much on that. But, but, you know, the audience should know at the end of the day, when you get that final, final cert- certification, either one, you have arrived at a very special mm-hmm. place of knowledge, you know about wines, you know about regions, you know about, you, you end up knowing kind of mostly the same things. Um, just apply, you know, they can apply differently, but they can also apply very much the same. I mean, you know, I, I know, you know, you mentioned um, Thomas Kendall Jackson family and they have, I know they have a lot of MSs there, but I believe they even have, they have MWs doing the same things. So, yeah. they, you know, they're, it's not that one is better than the other. They're just a little different from each other. Um, I do think that MS program, if you're, you have to have a confidence of presence, um, more so than the, you know, you can hide behind the pen a little bit better in the MW program uh, than the MS. You can't be shy about being, you know, on sort of on stage, I guess, in the yeah, MW. Yeah, but you still got to, in both, I would say this, you still got to pull the knowledge when you need it, man. Right. And that's, that is a discipline that both certifications certainly share. Sure. And then I would just add that, that I think that the path is, is amazing because it, really adds to backing up what you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, Karen, that you just, there's, you can't know it all. Mm-hmm. And once you achieve one of these certifications, it's like an exclamation point. I always, I started to look at it as a gateway to really the chance to learn at, at the highest level, not, oh, I've achieved it. Now I know all this stuff. Yeah. You know, it really opened the door to a chance to really dive deep into, into the world of wine. Yeah, and you and you never really stop learning. I am going to ask you a, a funny question, Thomas. I hope you don't mind if I ask this question, but I get it a lot, and it, and yeah. it kind of makes my toenails curl. I people tell us about the term about when when is it appropriate to refer to somebody as a sommelier? Oh boy, I, I think you know historically. I mean, the word just means wine waiter. 
I mean, the, the, the origin of the sommelier was a food taster for the king and the queen so that the sommelier would die, not royalty. So <laughs> it's a, that's, that's really the origin. Yeah, I, I, it's kind of cringe inducing sometimes, but if you're, if you're, if you know about wine, regardless of your certifications, whether you're an introductory sommelier or you pass the WSET one, or if you serve wine and do it with knowledge and with service-based humility, you're a sommelier. I have no problem with anyone using that term. Great. Thank you. Thank you for, for clearing that up because it, it, it does come up a lot in our industry. And, you know, I'll, when I t- people ask me, what do you do for a living? And I say, well, you know, I'm, I'm a wine educator and I teach people about wine. They go, oh, you're a sommelier. I'm like, no, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to play, you know, sort of stolen valor to me because I, I'm not a sommelier. It sort of feels like stolen valor for me to use that term. But as long as, but I appreciate your sentiment that you're right. If you're working in wine and you're teaching people about wine, you, you certainly could consider yourself a sommelier in the more, in the generic sense, I guess. And here's my, here's my favorite joke all the time that Nick Hetzel, fellow master sommelier shared with me. How do you know there's a sommelier in the room? They'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I, I love as that. You, as you should. And you yeah, were yeah. cry about it at the beginning. <laughs> I always always have a joke, too, when I'm teaching classes, especially when I was in Colorado before. I mean, there aren't really any other MWs that were in that area. And I would teach and and sometimes I would be introduced as a master of wine or they'd ask me, so, you know, what do you, you know, what are you? And I tell them a little bit about it and they'd go, oh, but are you a sommelier? And I'm like, well, I'm a certified sommelier. And they're like, oh, and they'd get so excited. I was like... I really did work harder for my MW than my level two certified. But it's so funny. I was like, oh, that might have been the most valuable degree I ever got for the consumer right. public because they, well, they recognize it. It has a lot of currency. Yeah. I always say, you know, that term, that term, you know, it cut, it's so known to people. It's, it's a lot like, like Napa. I, if you say to the public, how much of, California's wine, do you think, comes from Napa Valley? They think it all does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's similar. It's just a, a it's it's a, a term that they know. And so they think everything is somewhat so. interesting. Anyway, I just, I, as we, you were talking, I'm like, I got to bring this up because rarely do I get a chance to have, I mean, it's, this is a unicorn day for me to have an, an, a master sommelier and a master of wine on the same podcast. So that's pretty exciting for me. So, okay, good. Now, uh, Thomas, let's talk about the SOM Foundation. Tell us what the SOM Foundation is all about. What what do we need to know about it? Yeah, so SOM Foundation was founded about 15 or 16 years ago through the generosity of a gentleman named Jeff Johnston. He had a massive wine cellar, and he was very close friends with a gentleman named Jay Fletcher, who's a master sommelier who kind of worked his way up from the ground and 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 Jeff was a great mentor to Jay. Anyway, he had all this wine and he didn't he was never going to drink it all. I mean, he had like 3 liters of DRC type of a cellar. He had a he had a ridiculous wine cellar. And so he he kind of contacted Jay and said, "Well, if I donate this, not only will it help me from a tax perspective, but will you use it to do good?" And Jay's like, "Absolutely." So that was the ethos of how we were founded. So what we do is we do enrichment trips, 
uh, you know, and obviously through COVID, we didn't get to do as many as we'd like, but we started doing those again, where with sponsors, we fund trips to really cool wine regions uh, all over the world. Um, and we do scholarships, which Ashley is the director of um, for our organization. So, you know, we get money donated and we pass it on to students in every discipline in the world of wine, whether you're in WSET or whether you're trying to become a master sommelier or whether you're trying to pass your certified exam or whether you just want to take the WSET and you're done. That's what we do. Um, that That's really our essential function. We do um, some events to raise money because the seller uh, that was there 15 years ago is nowhere near what it was. So we are in the uh, in the transitional phase to a more traditional fundraising model um, where we're just kind of asking people for money. You know, Southern Glazers, Wine and Spirits, RNDC, et cetera, et cetera, um, to help fund education. But every single dime that we take in, every single dime that the seller has generated g- gets passed along to um, enrichment trips and scholarships. So okay. it's, it's a very, I feel like, and I'll just get on my soapbox really briefly here. Um, I feel like we're, I'm, thank you for this opportunity to talk to your audience. Go to songfoundation.com. There are so many opportunities. Ashley can probably speak to this. There are occasionally scholarships that don't get fully applied for. And there's money just sitting out there for people to study. So for the most part, that's not the case, but we are constantly amazed when we have a really cool scholarship. Here's a thousand dollars to help with your studies. And, and I would just add this. We don't, for the most part, say, okay, you got a scholarship to your certified exam. We're going to write the court of master sommeliers a check for the $600 or whatever it costs. We generally give the funds to the candidate. So that they can use wine, they can use, which is, I think, a really, really neat sort of self-empowering thing to do for the candidates, right? If if they want to buy books with it, if they want to buy wine with it, if they want to put it towards a tuition, that's their choice. So that's kind of what Psalm Foundation is in a a nutshell. Wow. You know, and... and it's funny because I've I've really looked in in depth at your website since I was having you on the show, and you summarized it so much better than I was able to glean just poking around. So I appreciate that. So Ashley, tell you know tell us tell us a little bit more about how do people access that? How would somebody in the audience you know aside from just going to the website? But tell us a little bit if you can tell us more about each of one of those aspects and how they get in on it. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that um, people can interact with some foundation, of course, going to the website, uh, joining the mailing list, uh, following us on social media to kind of stay up to date of what's going on are, are easy ways to kind of just keep tabs and see if there's an opportunity that aligns with one of your own goals. Um, or we certainly always have a lot of different uh, scholarships and ongoing enrichment trips that are available to our listeners. Uh, right now we have a Wilson's, we, we have two that are kind of targeted more for master Psalms and master of wines with the Wilson Daniels scholarship and the Bonacorsi that come up uh, deadline mid August. So there's still a lot of time. We try to keep, fairly long lead outs to really encourage more people to um, sign on so that we have some good competition and we get to really kind of uh, sit in 
and uh, figure out, you know, who to give this to. And um, that said, we also are really trying to expand our entry level offerings and try to uh, really bring in people from all different walks and different goals in this industry, including we have one uh, from assemblage that is for intro courses, the court. Um, We have one that's up for advanced right now. And then, of course, Napa Valley Wine Academy. We've just started this great partnership, and you have all been so generous to offer a few different kinds of scholarship opportunities for students, whether they're taking their WSET 1, 2, Um, uh, including I think level three was offered last time for in-person and online. So there's, it's not just for people living in the Napa Valley area. There are lots of virtual opportunities as well for getting certified. And so, um, so applying for scholarships, that is one, uh, obviously one way that people can interact and and get some benefits from some foundation. And to, and to apply for those scholarships, they can either, well, the one with the Napa Valley Wine Academy, that's coming up like mid-July, I think. we. Yeah, you won't see it uh, until about mid-July, and we'll try to give a good month and a half or so, about six weeks for people to apply for that. So maybe late September, or actually, no, sorry, that'll be even longer. Um, and you'll post that on Instagram, so if somebody follows you there on Instagram, yeah. Um, they'll be able to, you know, it, it'll pop up in, in their feed. And I usually uh, try yeah. to repost those on mine. So, you, so you, yeah. I'm assuming you guys are just at uh, some foundation on Instagram, I'm guessing. Let me, let me look you up here while I've got my computer open. I should, I should probably know that as the chairman. I think it is. I, I don't, I don't think there's numbers or anything. Yep. It's just, it's just at some foundation on Instagram. Um, or if you want to apply, you can also apply directly for that same one through the Napa Valley Wine Academy by just going to NapaValleyWineAcademy.com and yeah. go up to resources and then scroll down to scholarships. That yeah. one's there. And you can also follow me, shameless plug, uh, at <laughs> Napa Valley Wine Gal because I always post those as well. So yeah. lots of ways to to learn about that scholarship. And, sure. um, you know, it's it's such a it's such a privilege to work with a group like you that, you know, I think about those, especially the, the, the scholarships, the enrichment trips, what better way to really solidify somebody into the industry oh, and yeah. catapult them into success. So we have a harvest internship too, right now that people should check out. I think it's closing, I want to say in a couple of days. And so if that's been a dream anyone's had, that's a great opportunity too, right now to get get your hands dirty and actually get in there. <laughs> and that, you know what, I'm, I'm glad you brought, that's another question I get a lot. People say, well, I'll come out to Napa and I'll, I'll work for a couple of days as an intern. Like you can't just knock on the door of a winery and say, I want to be an intern for a few days. Those days are long gone. There's too many safety regulations. And so if you want to be an intern, you really almost have to do it through an organization like yourself. Like we have a boot camp we do as well. And, and you've got to do it that way. You, the, the, gone is the day of, oh, I'll just camp out in my car and work at harvest for a few hours. It just doesn't work that way at all anymore. For sure. uh, wish it did, but uh, but it, it doesn't. Um, okay. So one more thing I wanted to bring up is, it, well, a couple more quick things. You talked about you survive on donations. People can donate they can donate money, but they can also donate wine. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct. Um, you know, the again, we the seller that that we inherited really put us on the map and allowed our organization to 
to flourish. Um, but we always are looking for wine donations because we use those for educational purposes as well. I just talked to James Tidwell at Texom. We're going to do a, a tasting of old and rare Cabernet uh, for their attendees at that conference coming up in August. We utilize the wines from the seller in an educational uh, perspective or to help raise funds for our organization. Right. Excellent. Okay, cool. So, Thomas, as a chairman, what is your actual role at Sound Foundation? Um, that's a great question. So, my role is to really just try to enable Ashley as director of scholarships and James Lechner, who's the director of enrichment trips, to, to do what they do, which is vet scholarships, make sure that, that we are being we are staying true to our mission as a 501c3, and that's helping everybody. Ashley brought it up earlier. You know, we are super cognizant of not just uh, awarding scholarships to coastal folks. Nothing wrong with that. We award plenty to people in New York and, and L.A. and San Francisco. But we are seeing more and more applicants from places like Arkansas and Missouri and Wyoming, et cetera, et cetera, and so we're really trying to, to be cognizant of helping everyone geographically. Obviously, our commitment to DE&I is, is, is really strong. And we, we do consider a lot of those factors when we're uh, looking at scholarships and enrichment trips. But uh, my job is to try to keep the train on the tracks. Um, <laughs> Lynn Fletcher, who has been our COO, uh, is is unfortunately stepping down. She's been working really hard. And she's going to retire, but we have a wonderful new woman in place named Emily Gold. Um, and and really, I, my long winded answer to your very short question is, it's my job to try to assist everybody in what they do. But the the operations person, you know, Emily now and Lynn before, my job is to just try to give them what they need to best succeed at their job because they're really the ones keeping the train on the track, doing all the paperwork, doing all of this amazing outreach of communications to all these different sponsorship partners that we have. That's I'm just trying to I'm trying to enable our people to be as successful as possible and then I'm pretty good about whenever the difficult phone call has to be made, I usually take that one too. <laughs> so that's kind of what hammer. I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. And, and Ashley, uh, Thomas touched on what you do, but tell us a little bit about what your role, specific role is. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Thomas under, he, he under explains what he does. He does so much for us. And, and, and of course, Lynn has done so much as well to uh, just make sure that we can execute a really fair and just system. I think together as a board, we've been really, I've only been on the board now for gosh, maybe a year and a half. And I feel like I came on when we were really making a lot of changes and bringing in a couple new perspectives and people from different parts of the industry in order to have a little bit better collective uh, perspective on the industry. And that has been a huge part of our mission is really defining our mission, uh, really defining our Northern star so that we have our values very well laid out, not only for ourselves, but for people who come to our site and try to learn more about our foundation. And we try to use that now in everything that we do to inform the decisions we make. And as director of scholarships, that's a hundred percent. It is a very important roadmap for me now to constantly look at and make sure that 
when I'm vetting um, all of our applicants that I'm keeping a lot of things in mind, of course, financial hardship, but also geographies, backgrounds, access to resources. Um, We're trying to do everything we can. And then on top of it, we've added a lot of layering within to have some internal checks and balances as well, so that it's not just through my perspective either. It's not, you know, I want to make sure that I'm getting a couple eyeballs on this so that we really are making sure that we're giving it to, there's so many great candidates. And that is a very, that is without a doubt, the hardest part of the selection process for me is it helps me when I can put the the finalists together and then have a couple other people weigh in because Um, I can get a little bit emotionally attached to like, well, they all should get it. Can't we just, <laughs> you know, so it's really, it's been a great uh, process. I think we've really dialed in some uh, great ways to to better our process internally so that we can promote more equity and inclusivity across divergent backgrounds, ge- geographies, experiences in our industry. So, yeah. And it's got to be hard because, you know, you know, the decisions that you're making you know, for whoever you choose, whoever wins the scholarship or gets awarded, maybe not win, but gets awarded the scholarship, they're probably all very, very uh, worthy of it. And sure. you know, the person who gets it, it, it could be a life-changing moment for them. And you, yeah. and you do want to award that to everyone who yeah. wants it. And, and I, guess, I guess on that note, since we have so many listeners wondering like, well, how can I stand apart? What can I, you know, what can I do to get a scholarship? We read, I read every single one. And um, I absolutely notice when people take a little more time to tell us a little bit more about themselves and and what they would what this would mean to them. And we give everybody that opportunity to do that. And and sometimes people don't (laughs) tell us a lot of anything. And so um, I, I really do encourage people to to share with us why it's important, why they're taking the time to apply. And I think that that really catches my eye. Yeah. Tell their story. That's, that's great. That's really, that's really good advice. That might be the money, the money moment of the podcast right there. (laughs) Um, Okay. So, you know, and, and and either one of you can answer this or or both, whoever decides to, but um, you know, wondering what do you see in the, at this moment in time, what are some of the challenges that wine professionals, uh, the wine professional community is, is facing right now? What are, what are some of the challenges we have? Well, I'll I'll take this, Ash, and then fill in, please. Um, well, I mean, we we went through a very you know right when Ashley joined the board. I mean, COVID was was at its height, and and we were called Psalm Foundation, and there were not any Psalms because all the restaurants were closed. Right. So we were we we were really trying to figure out. That that was COVID was a massive challenge, right, for everybody on the planet in so many ways. And but but for the restaurant industry, I think that it became it, it was a the signature largest challenge that industry's faced since prohibition or whatever. I don't know. I, I just so so th- that has been the biggest challenge. It is wonderful to say to see the industry really rebounding and it's it's bouncing back. Amazingly, I, I would just on a on a personal note, it it's been so refreshing to me to be here at Auburn and working with all the hospitality students. I mean, these people are the future of of the of the restaurant hotel industry, and they're raring to go, man. They're not down on it. They're not changing their majors. Most of them, in fact, 
once they really get a taste of, of hospitality, whether it's hotel management or restaurant or wine or, or beers, distillery, whatever, they are shifting towards it from other disciplines here at the university, which has been really cool to see. So that's kind of the challenges and the opportunities in the same, in the same frame for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, and on that note, and I'll just, I'll just jump in too, you know, almost everybody that is a wine professional was so, you know, certainly the restaurant end of it got the worst of it, but you know, I know people in wine education working for big companies and when money gets tight, sometimes it's the education department that gets cut first, right? Agreed. And, you know, Ashley, I know you said you were in sales for a long time. I came from distributor and supplier background myself. And so many of my friends were, you know, all of a sudden you're, I don't know how you sell wine working from home. I mean, they really had to figure it out. A lot of them were furloughed. A lot of them were laid off. Um, it, you know, the whole, the wine industry as a whole, you know, here in Napa, every, you know, the wineries were shut down for so long and then came back with very, very tight restrictions. And now the, the, the odd thing is, is at least for, from that, if you're working in a winery, we need more people. We are desperate for human bodies. <laughs> we need bodies out. So if you're looking to ever want to move to Napa, now's your opportunity because you're <sighs> pretty much name your ticket. We can work almost anywhere, but um, I'm sort of half kidding, but not really. I mean, really we're, we're turning customers away at wineries during the height of our season because we don't have enough people to take care of them in the tasting rooms. <laughs> um, so it, it has been really a doubled edged store, you know, sort it, it hurt a lot of people, but I do think on the rebound, it's opening up more opportunities than might've been there for people. Otherwise, I don't know, Ashley, what do you think about that? Yeah. And I mean, kind of meeting a challenge always has opportunities in itself too. And I think what we've seen in the last couple of years is a real implosion within our industry of some pretty big questions socially and what we want leaders to look like, what we, you know, how we move away from toxic celebrity of certifications and start looking at the responsibility behind those letters, behind yes. just asking why we want to learn anything at all and what the purpose of that is really making people pause before they go into this industry, into these um, educational paths and how do we incorporate stronger values within them so that we can prepare our leaders to tackle some of the bigger the bigger issues that we're dealing with today so that we can create environments that are safe and collaborative and creative and multidisciplinary within all work spaces, not just restaurants, but absolutely restaurants. I mean, that was certainly called to question. And, um, and, and I think I'm seeing a lot of that change. I think as people are starting back up their programs, this is something that's becoming, um, you know, sort of more central to the ethos. And I think it really was a long time coming and it's, it's, I'm very glad for that. And I'm not saying we're there by any means. I just think that we are getting that ball rolling and it was very necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. We're all, you know, it's a work in progress and, you know, nothing's fixed overnight, but at least it's, at least we're starting to fix it. <laughs> That's better yeah, having, than having the harder right road. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, it needs to happen. Yep. 
So um, I just want to remind the audience that uh, if, if you're interested in learning more about the Sound Foundation, you can just go to soundfoundation.com online. Um, if you're interested in the scholarship opportunities, you can go to soundfoundation.com online. You can go to their social media page, which is just at Sound Foundation. You can also go to the Napa Valley Wine Academy.com website um, and go to our resource tab and look for scholar. There's a scholarship button there and, and that'll all be listed there. Look for of this current one that will, or the new one will be running. Look, look for it posted around what mid July you said, Ashley. Yeah, that's what we're that's what we're aiming for. Yeah, and then it'll clo- the application process will close mid September, late September, something like that. The details yeah. once it's posted, you'll the details for for submission will will be there. So um, as we sort of head into the home stretch here, guys, I always like to ask my guests to give our audience a couple of actionable items, things that they can do if they're listening to this and thinking, oh gosh, you know, maybe, maybe there is more opportunity for me than I thought, or, um, I, you know, this really wants, gets my juices flowing to start applying for jobs or start moving forward on my credentials, whatever it is, I want to work in the wine industry. Can you give us a couple of pointers, a couple of actionable items you'd recommend? Ashley, you take this one and I'll, I'll jump in. Sure. You know, the first thing that really comes to mind, and and I think it's such a, sometimes it's an annoying word, networking. Um, It's kind of like, what does that even mean? And how do I start? And, and, but this is such a, this is an industry that uh, is so welcoming when you get out there and you're vulnerable to getting help or mentorship, going to various events like batonage, assemblage, uh, taxam, uh, being more engaged in online communities like Guildsom, um, anything you can do to get yourself out there, join tasting groups. If there's local chapters, like, um, for example, I know when I was in Colorado, there was a women's wine guild and they're really designed to, to help lift each other up and to provide you access to people and resources, scholarships. I could not have done any of this without dozens and dozens of key players and people who were as invested as in me as I was to myself and trying to get ahead and to, to do that. And so I don't have two or three key actions. I think that that in and of itself is something that's really worth the energy to focus on. Yeah. I think that's, you know, we do use the word networking all the time, but we never tell people exactly how to do that. And, you know, volunteering is another good way to, you know, there's all kinds of charity events that use wine as a hook and they need people to pour wine at a table. There's that type of thing. Also, I, Uh, you know, I do some career coaching uh, for the Napa Valley Wine Academy as well. And my career, my coaching clients, I tell them, get on LinkedIn and follow wine groups. There's all kinds of wine supportive groups on LinkedIn where you learn, but you can also interact. And again, you find those nuggets of opportunities to connect with people. Um, So that's another area of of networking. Thomas, anything you want to add to our audience that they can do? I mean, I I thought that was great. I would, I would mention the networking word just one more time. And Ashley explained it beautifully. When you say that word, it seems like, like my natural perception is, okay, I'm going to try to meet people so I can get ahead. And that's not what the ethos and essence of that word is. It's so you can meet people so you can get better at what you're trying to learn and, and 
find the path that that works for you in 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 our industry, right? Yeah. Um, so I just say that I, I I think the only thing I'd add is for for people listening out there, wherever you're at in in your career, if you're just starting, if you've been doing it for a while, just be curious. Don't be afraid to look dumb. Looking dumb is what this beverage will make everyone do. Mm-hmm. Just ask questions, you know. And if if you're stuck on a certain area, if you're studying something or whatever, embrace it. Don't go, I hope they won't ask me that question or, you know, Greek wines are so hard to pronounce. I, I just, you know, embrace it, buy some Greek wine, cook some Greek food, and you'll know a lot more. And it's a fun way to, what a fun way to learn. That's one of the things that, that, that wine allows us to do study, you know, Karen, you mentioned at the beginning, study some history and lore. That's, that's, I started, I went away from soil types and geographic features which are super important. And I started learning, I tried to learn about history and that was a much easier pathway for me to learn on because I found it more interesting. I'm not a geologist, right? So it just, it helps you put it all together. That's, I guess that's what I'd say. Yeah. And and I'm going to add mine is, you know, if, if you're listening and, and you're interested in moving your career forward, apply for the scholarships. You have nothing yes. to, you, you know, the only way you for sure won't get one is to for sure not apply. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, get online, check out the scholarships, look at what the requirements are. And if that scholarship, it, you know, if you're not, if you don't fit the parameters then look for other ones, there's wine scholarships continually from other organizations as well. So don't be afraid to, to throw your hat in the ring. If you're facing roadblocks, scholarships and the and the the trips that you were talking about too the enlightenment trips anything like that is very valuable and worth your time to put together an application mm-hmm. you don't mind reading a lot of applications do you Ashley <laughs> I don't and that's the thing I mean don't be afraid to, to reach out to people who are whether they're advanced or you know a master even if they're certified because we've all been there we've and I certainly, when I read these applications, I get so inspired reading these applications. I was there once. And it right. means I always take the time for anybody who who reaches out to me and I do the best I can to connect them with the right people. And I think you just can't be afraid. And I think a lot of people hold themselves back. So, yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Well, guys, I cannot thank you enough. I, I'm super excited for our audience to hear this episode because it's not only just, you know, giving advice, it's giving opportunity, which I always look for to, to bring that type of thing to the to the show. So, Thomas, Ashley, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. And, of course, always thanks to the audience. Yeah, thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank You're- you very much. Thanks to all of you for joining. And I hope today's show has inspired you to make a career out of your passion for wine. If you'd like to have a one-on-one career coaching session with me, just use the link in the show notes for more information or to schedule an appointment. This podcast is all about helping you follow your dreams. So feel free to send us your suggestions for guests or topics through our email link that's listed in the show notes. And it means an awful lot when you share us with friends or leave a review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. I hope you'll join us again for our next episode.